0: Oh gosh, we've got a lot to get to today, but we want to make sure that you know about a special chance to see us record a show as part of a really cool online event happening soon, May 10 to 13.
1: PolitiFact, the nation's leading political fact checker, is hosting its first ever... Festival of Facts to celebrate fact checking and to feature some of the most important voices in media, healthcare, politics, and technology. And it's called The, the United Facts, Facts of America. America.
0: Ironic, since we were not very united on that reading. <laughs>
1: The virtual festival can be viewed entirely online and includes the nation's leading healthcare and political journalists like CNN's Brian Stelter, Georgia elections official Gabriel Sterling, and Dr. Anthony Fauci.
0: Fauci! <laughs> it also includes us. Helen and I are scheduled to host a special episode of Go Fact Yourself featuring guests Hari Srinivasan and Jessica Yellen, and
1: you can watch. The event is held online May 10th through the 13th, and sessions will be recorded in case you can't attend every event live. Tickets and more details are available at bit.ly slash Fest.
0: And go fact yourself, listeners can save thirty percent off of tickets by using the promo code Facts Twenty Twenty One at checkout.
1: That's code Facts Twenty Twenty One at bit.ly slash Yay! Yay, facts.
2: facts!
1: Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, "Well, actually." <laughs> well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi everyone, welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb, and then smart again. I'm Helen Hong, and now socially distancing from our homes in Los Angeles, Here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton.
0: Thank you, Helen. Great to see you. And what a special time of the year it is. Helen, what time of the year is
1: it? It's Max Fun Drive time.
0: Hey, that's right. It's Max Fun Drive time. What does that mean? It means it's your chance, you listening, to help show your love of Maximum Fun and your appreciation for Go Fact Yourself by contributing to the cause and helping us make the show that you're listening to. You can do that by going to slash join. That's MaximumFun.org org slash join oh Helen how grateful are we that we get to do this show and that people support us and allow us to do this show especially during the last year
1: especially during the last year for sure and the show is so much fun I am so honored that I've got to meet such amazing celebrities and find out what what they're into over the course of doing this show but as you guys probably have guessed the show is not free to make it actually yeah. costs quite a lot of money to make uh, especially now when we have all these these technology things like we have to like coordinate with people overseas and things like that so if you love our show and you want to keep the show going, please help us do that at MaximumFun.org join.
0: You can become a member for as little as $5 a month. We'll take more though and you'll get more if you upgrade your membership or boost it to other levels. We'll have more information on that a little later on the show. But guys, the entire business model of Maximum Fun is listener-supported content. We do this for you. We're doing our part. We want you to do your part. We try to keep ads to a minimum on our show and you know what? Even with the ads, it's not nearly enough to cover all the expenses that go into making the show that we love. We rely on you. You're all familiar already with the pledge drive format. I'm sure some of you already give to your public television or radio station. It's the same kind of a deal here. You contribute a little bit of money, you get to be part of our community, and you get all sorts of wonderful incentives. We've got an extra special stretch goal incentive that we're excited to tell you about a little later in the show. Keep in mind that when you are contributing to Maximum Fun and you mark Go Fact Yourself as one of the shows that you listen to, you are directly contributing to this very show, Go Fact Yourself, helping to make more episodes. It's you. You are part of it. You are the reason we do it. And you are making it happen.
1: You, 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 you.
0: (laughs) It's all about you, isn't it? (laughs) So we'll have a lot more on the Max Fun Drive. Let's get to this show with two fantastic Max Fun hosts and make sure you check out MaximumFun.org slash join to become a member or to upgrade your membership. Helen, what again is that website?
1: It is MaximumFun.org slash join.
0: Today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started on this special Max Fun Drive edition and meet today's guests. Helen, who is up first?
1: He is a comedian, writer, and a host of the podcast. Stop podcasting yourself right here on the Maximum Fun Network. It's Dave Shumka.
0: Hello, Dave Shumka. Woohoo, hello, how are you? We appreciate the uh, woohoo. It makes us feel great. You know, I'm a very effusive guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You are joining us from our neighbor to the north, Canada. I am
3: I'm your ambassador for the day.
0: Oh, very good. What are what are the pressing issues in the uh, in the Canadian American relationship that we need an ambassador for right now?
3: Well, I, we don't have a border open at the moment. That's...
0: Oh, that would be it. That would be it. Yeah, yeah.
3: it's coming soon.
0: I'll, I promise, guys. Okay, you heard it here first from our ambassador Dave Shimka. Dave, your show stop podcasting yourself. Another Max Fun show with the word "yourself" in the title. By the way, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. as, <laughs> and you know we're we're always linked because of that. Uh, <laughs> You guys have been on for over 13 years. Congratulations. Wow. What is the what is the key to that longevity, do you think?
3: I mean, we got in before podcasts had to have any topic. Mm. Uh it was just uh, like the it, the topic was bland white people and <laughs> we I mean, that is honestly the, yeah. that's something that can Go on for hundreds of years
1: <laughs> was and that it the, has. is that the original title of your podcast, <laughs> Bland white it, people <laughs> yes. yeah.
0: Well, it must be nice not having to explain to people as much what a podcast is. I imagine that was a lot of what you had to do in the early days.
3: Yes, I have parents and they have friends, so I do have <laughs> to still explain what a podcast mm-hmm. is, but uh, now, when you I, send
0: your parents a link of what you do, do they actually click on it and listen to it? <laughs> I would never do that. You would never do that. Okay, no, because I, I do and my dad still doesn't seem to to understand, A, that I, that there is a show or that he's able to listen to it.
3: Well, I don't want my parents' friends... Uh, listening and then, mm. like, talking to me about it. So sometimes they'll ask me, hey, how do I find your show? And I'll just give them as confusing an explanation (laughs) as I can. Uh Yeah, give them a link to our show. We'll take
0: it. We'll take the extra (laughs) listeners. We'll we'll deal with your parents' friends. In addition to this streak of longevity, you also have a streak of of very rarely missing a week. This is a weekly show that's been on for for so long. Oh, Why do you hate to miss episodes so much? When's the last time you you have had to skip?
3: Our first year, we took Christmas off. Mm. Ah. Our second or third year, we took... I think my co-host, Graham, mm-hmm. uh, he had swine flu in, like, 2010, oh. maybe? <laughs> oh, gosh. And he had to quarantine yeah. back then, and so we couldn't record. This was before, wow. before yeah. Zoom was a thing. So. Oh,
0: right. Yeah, so before you knew that you could still make podcasts in a quarantine. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Are you saying the last time you took a week off was when your co-host got swine flu in 2013?
0: 2010, I 2010,
1: think. 2010, wow. Oh, my. What?
0: The- yeah, Helen and I—we love to take a week off. We don't—we don't, we don't have—we don't
3: have weeks off. We have no excuse. I am,
1: I am just flummoxed. You are you the hardest working podcaster in Podcastingdom?
3: I think I'm pretty like I'm pretty hardworking. I, don't, I, I haven't seen the Mount Rushmore of hardworking podcasters, but <laughs> yeah. I'd like to be on it.
0: Yes, well, if any of our listeners would love to send in some fan art, I'm sure we would enjoy. I'm sure we'd enjoy seeing that. I want to ask you about another one of your podcasts, Dave. It's called Our Debut Album, and this is such a wonderful concept and execution. Tell us about Our Debut Album.
3: Yeah, that was the uh, my co-host Graham uh, Graham Clark, a very funny comedian. He and I we've always heard about these songs that were like, oh, we just wrote this, you know, Satisfaction. We wrote it in an hour, Mm -hmm. and we're like, well, we're not songwriters by Mm -hmm. any means, but wouldn't it be fun to hear us try to do that? (laughs) And it was, it was fun. Yeah, the the fun part of the show is us not being good at it. But I think (laughs) because we included the parts where we really were off the mark, I think it was an entertaining show. But I think we had like maybe three decent songs out of it. (laughs) That is not bad. Did you release
1: an album ultimately at the end? Yeah, yeah. You did? You
3: you can find it at ourdebutalbum.bandcamp.com.
0: And what ah. were the results like, and, and how different was it than maybe what you thought it was going to end up like?
3: It was pretty straightforward. We're not very musically talented. <laughs> uh, so it was, you know, pretty, pretty basic guitar, bass, drums kind yeah. of things, but it, it was all right.
0: <laughs> it was all right. I, th- I love that idea. Uh, another podcast that you're working on lately is a sort of a parody of existing podcasts. Tell us about this. Uh,
3: this sounds serious. Uh, yeah, This Sound Serious is a show I make with a bunch of very talented Canadian actors and writers. Yeah, it's a, a kind of a takeoff on serial and mm-hmm. all these true crime shows. The first season was about a weatherman who was drowned in his waterbed by his twin brother. <laughs> We've had two subsequent seasons and we try to make it sound as real as possible.
0: Yeah, so it's so it, great. The audio, the audio I don't know what you call it, the engineering or effects or whatnot are, are, are outstanding.
3: Yeah, we don't do anything in like a, we don't do a table read with a bunch of actors. We, yeah. if, we're, if we're recording in a car, yeah. we get in a car. If oh, we're out so in the cool. field, we run around in a oh, field. Oh, so wow. It's, uh, we fooled a lot of people, more than we thought we would. Really? Wow. Like a War of the Worlds kind of a situation. Yeah, people like uh, this dead weatherman in our our podcast people are like why can't i find any clips of this guy Where, why is he on youtube were you getting fan theories of this fictional uh, yeah murder? absolutely that's amazing you know people love to pat themselves on the back for figuring out a mystery but
0: <laughs> <laughs> last thing i want to ask you about uh you did your show before you were on max fun you joined max fun we're in the middle of the max fun drive Can you talk a little bit about why you wanted to join maximum fun and, and what you get out of the max fun drives
3: I believe we were the first show to ever join Maximum Fun. Um, wow! Oh wow! I wasn't aware of that. I believe uh, there were a few on the uh, on the network before, but th- mm-hmm. this was the we were like the first outside show mm-hmm. to come on back in 2011. I'd say mm-hmm. the moment we joined the network, our audience got bigger, and it's just been such a, it's such a wonderful community of you know, nice nerds. Yep. <laughs> <So>. mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> well, you are the nicest of nerds for joining us. We appreciate your being here. Dave Schumka. everybody. Oh, thanks. Helen, against whom will Dave be competing?
1: She is a comedian, writer, and a host of the podcast, Tiny Victories, here on the Maximum Fun Network. It's Laura House. Hi,
4: Laura House. Hello, everybody. Hello, world. Hi, Laura.
0: Hello, world. And uh, Laura, I wish our listeners could see the wonderful hand gestures that you just made when you joined. You <laughs> could hear it it, in it, my voice. You can hear it in your voice. Of course you can. Tiny Victories, what a wonderful show that you co-host with Annabelle Gerwich, who our listeners can uh, listen on our show. She was on episode nine of Go Fact Yourself. I've known both of you for a long time. You're both so smart and funny, great writers and comedians. How did you two meet up and decide to, to work together on Tiny Victories?
4: Oh, I've known Annabelle a really long time. I was on a TV show a long time ago called Austin Stories and MTV. Sure. Her now ex-husband was the head writer. So Mm -hmm. she likes to say that she got me in the divorce. (laughs) (laughs)
2: That was nice. That
0: was nice. There was a custody battle and she came out on top. Somebody
4: got Laura and the lawyers were like, why is this even on the paper. Why why am I typing this into a contract?
0: There are a few things I love about Tiny Victories. One of them is that your title is literal. You're talking about tiny victories that people have. Can you give us some examples and maybe what some of your favorites are that you've heard from listeners?
4: Yeah. So this was Annabelle's idea and I really loved it because she really pushes back against the idea of go big or go home. She's like, can we just be excited that we mailed a letter or whatever. And <laughs> like when people are like, you know, oh, I did this thing and people are like, what do you want? A parade? We're like, we will give you that parade.
1: <laughs> I pumped gas today yes. and I feel pretty proud of myself. It
4: can be a big deal. Yeah. yeah. It, it depends on the city. It's also relevant. But so a guy called in with this one. It was so, so odd and great. He said he had to change his tire on the side of the road. And a woman, pulled up and said hey do you need help and he was like no no that's okay and then she's like all right and she gets in her car and like 15 20 minutes later she pulls up again behind (gasps) her and she walks she walks out so again like if this were one of the murder podcasts very different ending to this story but (laughs) she holds diet pepsi (gasps) and then she's like like takes off and it was just what? It's yeah, it was just this <laughs> very odd. I mean, they're not always this this odd, but like it was just kind of a twisty kindness. It was just a kindness from a stranger mm. and someone. She just handed him a diet. Pepsi? And we were like, "Why diet? Pe- Does she work for Diet Pepsi?" Like, I have to, <laughs> that was her favorite, and she was like, "But like, why not water? He's dehydrating in the sun." Anyway, I. We, it was just like sometimes it's kindnesses or. Like my fiance is a jazz musician, and the first time I got jazz and had what we call a, a jazzgasm, I like that was a tiny victory of like, oh, I finally get it, and. Just these things that like it's not going to make the news, but it's a yeah, it's a big deal to you, but nobody else cares. But uh,
1: I cannot stop thinking about this woman in the Diet Pepsi. Never, I feel like will. we need to. Never I feel will. like we need to track her down and like do like a murder podcast about her. Wait, wait
0: why does somebody have to get murdered, <laughs> Helen? Why does I mean, somebody always have to get murdered? I,
1: I, I think we need to. I need. I think we need to to, to, to like. Focus the intensity as if it was a murder podcast, but on the origins of this Pepsi woman. Yeah, it's a like murder.
4: She wrote, but yeah, but like yeah. so like, squishy. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> exactly.
4: Yeah.
0: And, and I'm sure Pepsi would love to sponsor that series. Somebody
4: would. Somebody Zevia. Somebody's gonna get on that.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah, well, gotta get that sweet Zevia cash. The other thing I love about the show is that it's weekly. It's only 15 minutes long, it's, more it's or, nice, or less. Every it time it
4: would be rude to make it long, and <laughs> <laughs> people are like, yes, "I not- really go on and on about this tiny victory." We're just like, no, we're in, we're out. Like, we're also like, oh, it. we did an episode. Th- that's a tiny victory.
0: That's a tiny victory. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, another podcast that you do that I've been fortunate enough to be a guest on is a meditation podcast called Will You Med With Me? Tell us about meditation and why you wanted to do a podcast about it.
4: Mm, well, like all spiritual stories, it started, uh, my spiritual journey began when I was writing on the George Lopez show. Ah. <laughs> as old as time. I'm a writer and a comedian. And there's a lot of hustle in that, as as you folks may have heard. Mm -hmm. And I actually reached a point of some success where I didn't have to hustle Mm
2: -hmm. for a
4: minute. And then I didn't know what to do with myself. And I was (laughs) like, at that moment, I was like, I'm empty. And Mm. (laughs) I went after meditation, it has a great reputation, you know, for making people better. And I found one that I really liked. And I really identify as a smart ass. And that's not a big known aspect of meditation.
2: Really, <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's
4: not like Dalai Lama's like, did another prank. <laughs> and so I didn't think it was for me because I was mm-hmm. like, I it's so reverent and quiet and all these things that I'm not but I got so much benefit and I just kept taking classes and started teaching it. And what I love, the reason I do it as a podcast is because I really feel like, hey, smart asses, you can feel better too. You know, (laughs) (laughs) this is not just for like the reverent already chill that we might think it's for it's for everybody. And so I like to kind of bring that different, I guess, aspect to it.
1: I'm happy to report that this is how I met Laura, because Laura, this is like an amazing I think one of the my favorite things about you and such a such a generous action. So Laura used to give free meditation workshops mm-hmm. upstairs in the green room of the Hollywood Improv uh, for again, comedians. Another,
0: another den of Zen if there ever were it, one. It huh? really
1: was like such a dichotomy because it's like, you know, the Hollywood improv green room is just like the a ball of angst and one upmanship. <laughs> And all the things you hustle and like snarkiness and Laura used to do these free workshops for comedians once a month and it was just really generous and lovely and I I just took away so much from it. So thank you, Laura.
4: Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's so nice. I I taught on my um, comedy album, Mouth Punch. There's a bonus track where I taught the audience in Portland how to meditate. I don't mean to treat it like a gimmick in that way, mm-hmm. like I'm exploitative or something, but I right. do love taking it to where it belongs but isn't necessarily which, I mean, who needs it more than comics? You know, like nobody I can think of. Nobody.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: and and audiences of comics.
4: I mean, <laughs>
0: <laughs> true. Last thing I want to ask you about is uh, you are currently working as a showrunner on a show called Secret Life of Boys, which uh, not only is a show on BBC, but it's actually a kid's show. And I'm curious if there are uh, cultural differences in working on a show that's for a uh, UK audience versus for kids in the US.
4: Oh, what a, that's so interesting. When we started, so it started like six years ago, and there were... Are so many more differences so in mm. this it's a it's a kids show family co-viewing and it's about a australian girl she's 12 um her mother has passed away and something's going on with her dad and she goes to live with her four boy cousins in england and we find out at the end of the series at the season one that her dad has been in jail so she is a, a mm. dead mother and a father in jail and you could not do that on nickelodeon (laughs) when it started that was like wow you would never see this level of kind of gravitas On an American kids show,
0: America where bad things don't happen. Well,
4: exactly. (laughs) I mean, every Disney movie starts out with an orphan. They go right by it, you know. Like, (laughs) and the Disney TV shows are just like, I'm perfect, and my friends are just slightly less perfect. And I talk like this. (laughs) I exactly. Everything's very affected. And but with streaming, actually, (laughs) Mm -hmm. kids shows are more converged, you know, mm. like tonally with yeah. like, Kids shows can do all kinds of things now that.
0: It's interesting that, that, you know, kids really can't handle more sophistication in that way than Absolutely. maybe the, the American Network's give them credit for. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you for bringing the sophistication and the Zen to our program. We're happy to have Laura House. <laughs> all right, Dave and Laura, we asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Dave, you said you know a lot about erotic thrillers. 1990s Canadian popular music and Dairy Queen whereas Laura you said you know a lot about the movie Grease the movie Grease 2 and (laughs) Grease 3 no I'm just kidding and uh, gothic English literature gothic English literature the perfect companion to Grease and Grease 2 Well, later on, we're going to ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, the greenhouse effect. First up, Dave. Dave, your question comes from a listener. Who is it,
1: Helen? It's from Scott Altenhoffen from Amherst, Wisconsin. Listeners, if you'd like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to GoFactYourPod.com and click on Get Involved.
0: Thank you, Helen, and thank you, Scott. All right, Dave, in the topic of the greenhouse effect, greenhouse. While they both might have a positive effect on your plants, what is the difference between a greenhouse and a hothouse? A greenhouse and a
3: hothouse. Whew. Boy, I feel like a greenhouse has got to be the one that's just got windows. It's just a big house made of windows. Mm -hmm. Whereas a hothouse is maybe like if you're building, you're trying to grow tomatoes in a sauna. <laughs> wow, what a, what a perfectly explained difference uh wait a minute. so uh,
0: how would it be in a sauna it's compared to the greenhouse it would it would have you know wood, what more
3: no let's say it's let's call it artificial light let's say you're using lamps and things lamps uh, and things yeah, as opposed to sunlight. As opposed to sunlight.
0: All right, great. We've got Dave's answer. We don't know yet if he is correct. Laura, if you don't think he got it exactly right, you can steal. What do you think, Laura House?
4: I think that was a really good answer. But I guess I wonder if it comes down to what grows in there. All I know is when I go to the grocery store, I sometimes get hot house cucumbers. And I never mm-hmm. see that related to anything else. So maybe a greenhouse is for general plants. And maybe a mm-hmm. hot house is specifically for food plants.
0: For food plants. All right, very good. Well, this segment has stopped growing. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts.
1: Here are the facts. Both a greenhouse and a hothouse are built primarily of glass or translucent plastic and take advantage of the light and heat offered by the sun. But the difference is a greenhouse uses only the sun as its heat source. A hothouse uses an additional source of heat, which is often necessary in cold climates to keep plants alive year-round. That's
0: right. Now, both greenhouses and hothouses are often temporary buildings, a more permanent greenhouse or hothouse is often called a conservatory, and if it's big enough, it can be called an orangery because they're large enough to grow orange trees in them. And if there's one in your basement, it's probably called a marihuanery. Helen, how did they do in that?
1: I don't think either one of you got either part of that correct.
0: I think I think Dave got the, that there was a difference between the sun and, and more than sun, so I, I would say if you want to give him a point for that, you can. I think we'd, we'd do that.
1: Well, Dave, you said windows, and then you said... You said artificial light and lamps. So I disagree with you, J. Keith. I'm afraid. Sorry,
0: Dave. Helen being a tough judge didn't want to give it to Dave on the light. Uh, All right. We'll see uh, what Laura can do because next in the greenhouse effect is Laura with effect. Laura, sometimes you want to stop things growing. Like, for instance, oh, I don't know, a virus. So you develop a vaccine. But when it comes to vaccines, what is the difference between effective and efficacious? effective, and efficacious.
2: Oh. <laughs> I've never made that
4: sound.
0: That is a sound that many of our guests, I think, would have made and just didn't have <laughs> the freedom uh, of soul to do so.
4: Efficacious is, first of all, you can't talk to me like that. <laughs> efficacious <laughs> is, so that makes me think of efficacy. Uh-huh. Um so I guess effectiveness is how good the vaccine actually works in preventing the illness, how effective mm-hmm. it is. Okay. I'm thinking efficacy, but you used a different mm-hmm. word for it, which was what eff effect efficacious, efficacious Ness mm-hmm. <laughs> <The> epic- <laughs> seems to be like, is it like, has it expired yet or not? Like, is, is it, actually it. within when it's uh, working? It's, when it's working
0: got it all right well thank you so much we've got Laura's answer we don't know yet if she is correct Dave what do you think I mean what do I think
3: Uh, (laughs) how do you feel what what sound would you like to make (laughs) Uh, uh, well I would say okay effectiveness uh, I want to say that's like does it stop you getting sick right and efficacious is does it stop the spread okay You said it. Good job, Dave. Sure.
0: All right. Well, this segment needs a booster. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts.
1: Here are the facts. Both effective and efficacious refer to how well a vaccine works in controlling a virus. The difference is efficacious is the term used during test trials under controlled conditions, whether that's in a petri dish in a lab or in an animal or human subject. If the test subjects are being individually monitored and possibly being compared to the test subjects using a placebo, then the results will refer to the vaccine's efficacy. Effective is the term used once the vaccine is out of controlled conditions and being used in the general population in the real world. Results of these studies measure the vaccine's effectiveness.
0: That's right. It all comes down again to location, location, location. Mm. Uh, By the way, to our listeners who are hearing this show centuries in the future, the 2021 world seems to be gradually emerging from a dangerous pandemic, thanks in part to vaccines that are both efficacious and effective. Also to our listeners in the future, avenge me,
5: avenge
1: me.
0: (laughs) Helen, how did our guest do?
1: Uh, I don't think either one of you got that one either.
0: Yeah, sorry. No uh, uh, no points there right. for that one. So what is our score at the end of this round, Helen? Are you able to calculate it?
1: I am able. I wrote it down, okay. Jake, Keith. And it looks like Dave Shimka has zero points and Laura House also zero points.
0: A very close game. But those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself.
6: Hi, my name is Graham Clark, and I'm one half of the podcast Stop Podcasting Yourself, a show that we've recorded for many, many years. And uh, at the
0: moment, instead of being in person, we're recording remotely, and uh, you wouldn't even notice. You don't even notice the lag.
3: That's right, Graham. And uh, the great thing about this. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay. Okay. go ahead. And you can listen to us uh, every week on MaximumFun.org. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Your podcasts.
1: Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Dave Shimka and Laura House. Once again, here's Jake Heath, Van Stratton.
0: Thank you so much, Helen. All right, Dave, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about erotic thrillers, 1990s Canadian popular music, and Dairy Queen. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. Tell us first, why did you choose erotic thrillers for one of your topics?
3: Well, it, at the start of the pandemic on my podcast, we had nothing to talk about. And so <laughs> we, we made these uh, like event months, and we had Bradley Cooper Movie Club Month, we had Dad Movie Movie Club Month, and we had Erotic Thriller Movie Club Month. Where, a where natural progression week. in movie history, yeah. of course, yes. <laughs> exactly. What did we watch? Fatal Attraction and Basic Instinct and all your, all your horniest movies.
1: Sizzle- <laughs> sizzling. Yeah.
3: And uh, did you
0: have a favorite either from that month or from your, your
3: past of watching erotic thrillers? Mm, boy, I feel like it's got to be Basic Instinct just because of where I was in my Puberty when it came out. Yeah.
1: Are there that I can I can only think of Basic Instinct and Fatal Attraction. Are there like all that many more?
3: Unfaithful was another one mm-hmm. we watched. Ooh, that's a good one. Boy, anything with like Mickey, boy, Rourke or Rooney, Ricky Rourke. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Matt, now seeing Mickey Rooney in an erotic thriller—that <laughs> would be something you need more than a month to discuss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, Dave. You also said you know a lot about 1990s Canadian popular music.
3: Well, I'm a I'm a Canadian person. Mm-hmm. And uh, the 1990s were when I was just listening to the radio nonstop... Or watching much music, which was what I'm told is our equivalent of your MTV. Mm-hmm. Oh. Did I pronounce that right? <laughs> I believe <Definitely laughs> so. That was, of course, back when MTV actually played music
0: video. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
3: so, yes, I, I absorbed quite a bit of that.
0: Uh, terrific. All right. And then finally,
3: Dave, you said you know a lot about Dairy Queen. I've said this before, that Dairy Queen is my favorite restaurant. <gasps> and I don't even like the dinner. Like I only, <laughs> I only like the ice cream, but I love it so <laughs> much.
0: And uh, <laughs> what are your favorite things to get at Dairy Queen? queen you mentioned the dessert a, a blizzard uh, i would presume or yeah i'm things? a
3: blizzard i'll do a, whatever blizzard they have you know they'll do se- they'll do like a dozen bl- new blizzards every season yeah. and i'll try to have them all oh, all of them whoa well, you know as many as i can uh. can
1: i confess something to you dave please do i don't think i've ever ever been to a dairy queen whoa
3: wow wow, <laughs> wow. this show just wow, got it real got, it got
1: really quiet yeah. in here wow
3: I, I, I mean, I guess to each their own. I
1: didn't think I, I didn't think all three of you would turn on me that fast.
3: But. No, no, we just we want you to
0: Yikes. experience more joy. Well, Dave, follow up <laughs> question: When Helen eventually goes to a Dairy Queen and she has to have just one thing to to appreciate it and to keep coming back, which item would you recommend to her?
3: Oh, you can probably get a flight of Little Blizzards. Uh, a you know, <laughs> like you're getting a whiskey tasting. Yeah, yeah.
1: that Oops. makes me want to go right now <laughs> to go up, sidle up to the counter, and be like, yeah. "Excuse me, may I have the?" Flight? Yes.
0: Now, Helen, yeah. it is important to cleanse your palate between each one so that you can really appreciate the flavors and subtle. Should
1: aromas I do that, that with a chicken sandwich or something? Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't even. I don't even try the hot food. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, get the. Uh, you know, the 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 bigger the blizzard. Mm-hmm the harder, like, the less blended it, it usually is. So if it was your first time, I would seriously get a bunch of kid-sized quizzes. <gasps> wow. Expert wow. tip. And I
0: think, I think mm-hmm. we're going to turn Helen on this. It's going to be exciting. I think I've,
1: I've, I've definitely added something to my bucket list just awesome.
0: now. <laughs> well, Dave, <laughs> yeah. to summarize of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about erotic thrillers, 1990s Canadian popular music, and Dairy Queen. Today we're going to quiz you about 1990s Canadian popular music nice nice indeed so uh, do you have a favorite of that era you mentioned some of the artists who had been there but is there one that uh, that speaks to you particularly or that you have a lot of in your collection
3: I don't know if they're very big in in America Mm -hmm. but my favorite one of my favorite bands from that time is a band called Sloan Mm. they're a power pop rock band Mm -hmm. I've uh, seen them live many times I'm excited. I'm excited to dig into this category.
0: Well, let's not have you wait any longer because just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with our three-part question. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're let a total of two hints in these five questions. Now, Laura, do listen closely because you can steal if Dave gets any wrong. Laura, by the way, how much do you know about 1990s Canadian popular music?
4: Alanis Morissette.
0: All right. (laughs) Dave, let's see if that uh, comes in handy for Laura, if you give her that opportunity. Here's your first (laughs) question. Dave, if you're making popular music in Canada, you might first make it in French. Like one artist who released several albums in the 1980s, but didn't become a global superstar until the 1990s when she released her first English language album, which included the hit song Where Does My Heart Beat Now? Who is this Quebecois singer who had over a dozen top 40 hits in the 1990s? That would be
3: my queen. (laughs) Celine Dion, <laughs> Helen. Wee wee. Wee wee. That is correct. Yes, so many queens, dairy yeah. and otherwise. <laughs>
0: uh, fun fact: We did an entire segment on Celine Dion's English language albums with guest Chelsea Crisp on episode 12 of Go Fact Yourself. All right, here's question number two. In 1995, a certain female Canadian singer-songwriter released an album that has become a phenomenon. It was the best-selling album in the world in 1996, selling over 18 million copies. It was named one of Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. It won five Grammy Awards. It inspired a Broadway musical featuring the artist's music, which has been nominated for 15 Tony Awards. And the cast album from that show just won a Grammy in 2021. What was this seminal album?
3: It feels like it might be Mm -hmm. Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette. Helen?
1: That is correct. That is
3: correct. You're two for two. Uh, You did not need the hint in
0: this uh, question, but if you had needed the hint, Helen, what would that hint have been?
1: It is not a smooth, big capsule. (laughs) (laughs) That's right.
0: It is a jagged little (laughs) pill. Fun fact, only one other Canadian artist has had a year's best-selling album. That was Neil Young's Harvest in 1972. Bonus fun fact, Jagged Little Pill was the last Broadway show I saw before the pandemic. That is fun. It is fun. No, no, no. I was, I was glad to see it. <laughs> only other, only the second show I've ever been to on Broadway that had a standing ovation before the end of the show. In the middle of the show, there's a standing ovation. Really? The... Yes, for Lauren Patton wow. singing You Ought to Know, and it was well-deserved. Mm. Wow. All right, Dave, you're two for two. Here's question number three. Brian Adams is a Canadian who had lots of hits in the 19. 1990s, helped in part by his songs' appearances on several movie soundtracks, but which of the following was not a 1990s movie soundtrack that featured a Brian Adams song? Was it Robin Hood: Prince of Thieves, Problem Child, Problem Child Two, oh The Mirror Has Two Faces,
3: or Don Juan DeMarco? Who? Oh, uh, this is tough. I know Don Juan DeMarco and Robin Hood: Prince of Thieves had songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mirror Has Two Faces feels l- closer to, to the other two. Mm-hmm. I'm going to need a hint. Helen, how about that first hint?
1: The Mirror Has Two Faces did have a song on the soundtrack from Brian Adams. <laughs> huh.
3: Well, uh, we're no closer. Uh, well, it does confirm
0: I'm, your suspicion, so hopefully that would be uh, What helpful. I'm going to guess okay.
3: is that they, hmm, which problem child has the budget <laughs> <laughs> a, was the first one so successful yeah. that the second one they, they could they said hey we've got Brian Adams money now yeah we can, <laughs> we can get a, a love ballad mm-hmm. I'm going to say two did not have it Helen? that is not correct no I'm terribly sorry Laura House with a chance to steal I'm going to say problem child Helen? that
4: is correct that is correct mm-hmm. an excellent use mm-hmm. of the
0: steal Laura doesn't feel good about it, but she will, she will take that point.
4: Will
0: take That's right. Problem trial 2, I think for that exact reason, was so successful that they did get that Brian Adams song. Uh, fun fact, his songs from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, The Mirror Has Two Faces, and Don Juan DeMarco were all nominated for Oscars. He also had songs on the soundtrack for the 1990s movies Jack, Hope Floats, and The Three Musketeers. 1990s, a good time for movies with Brian Adams songs. Yeah. All right, Dave, let's see if you can bounce back with this. You still have one hint available. The Juno Awards celebrates excellence in Canadian music. And while most people might not be surprised that the list for the most Junos awarded is topped by anne Murray, Celine Dion, and Brian Adams, they might be surprised by who's next on the list, a band who in 1990 won Most Promising Group of the Year, then ended the decade by winning Best Rock
3: Album. Who is this group? As a Canadian, mm-hmm. it's pretty obvious that the answer has to be the Tragically Hip.
0: Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Very good. I didn't realize it was so obvious. We made it a number four, not knowing it would be I so know. easy.
3: I know. For a second, I was like, hmm, maybe this, these questions are supposed to get harder. They're supposed but
0: to, but we never know. We never, we, I, don't, I don't know any actual Canadians in real life, so I couldn't have asked.
3: Anyone. Oh, sure. No, yeah. No. Um, uh, the Tragically They're hip so rare, are, Canadians. Yeah. <laughs> The Tragically Hip are kind of the musical equivalent of Problem Child Two, okay. <laughs> <laughs> if I can if I can speak in American terms. Yes.
0: Fun fact: Despite winning 17 Juno Awards, the Tragically Hip has never even been nominated for a Grammy Award. They were inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame in 2005. All right, Dave, here's question number five, which we think is the hardest of the bunch, but who knows? (laughs) All bets are on at this point. You do still have that hint available. Dave, in addition to pop and rock hits, Canadian artists have made an impact on popular hip-hop music too. The song Northern Touch was a hit in Canada in 1998, becoming the first song by a domestic hip-hop group to crack the top 100 on Canada's pop singles charts. The artist listed on the single is Rascals, with a Z, featuring four guest artists. Name any one of the four featured artists on this track.
3: Um, to, no, sorry to correct you, it's Rascals with a Z.
0: Oh.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dave, Dave, I'm,
3: I'm sorry about that. Oh,
1: <laughs> mon dieu, touche. Yeah,
3: I will take the hint, <laughs> but I think I could get it without it, but I'm curious. Okay, Helen, how about that hint?
1: One of them is known as Canada's Hip Hop Ambassador. One of them is the force that keeps an airplane in the air, and one of them is what you say when you win a game of chess.
0: <laughs> Dave enjoying Helen's hints? I'm wondering if any of those uh, stripped it <gasps> loose in your brain or helped confirm your suspicion.
3: No. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm going to guess is Choclair. Helen?
1: That is correct. That is correct. Wow. <laughs> the
0: one of the that four that we didn't give a hint. That wasn't even in the hint. wasn't
1: in the hint.
3: Oh, my goodness. Very impressive, You Dave. didn't
1: even need the hint. <laughs> you had that in your back pocket. You just wanted to hear did, the ridiculousness of the hint.
3: Boy, I, I'm, I'm dying to know the other three. Come well,
1: on. The... One of them is something you say when you win a game of chess.
3: Checkmate?
0: That yes! is correct, yes. Okay. Uh, one of them is the force that keeps an airplane in the air.
3: Boy. Uh.
1: AKA Patrick Swayze's uh Hips. does this a lot. Yeah. Hips do this a lot in dirty dancing.
3: Uh thrust? That yes! is
1: correct
0: as well. <laughs> <laughs> and uh Canada's hip hop ambassador, that is Cardinal Official. Official. Cardinal yes. Official. Very, very nice job though. That's amazing. The one part we didn't give you a hint for is the one you knew. Uh Wait,
1: how did you know Claire? You
0: just I
3: knew was, it. I was just I, I remember the song, but I I could not i yeah, I, 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 Cardinal Official and Choclair were the two biggest rappers I could think of from the 90s.
0: Very well done. Uh, fun fact, the group turned down a 1998 Juno Award because the category of Best Rap Recording was not part of the televised ceremony. Then check this out, they released the same song the following year and won again in the same category, this time accepting the award on TV. I guess there wasn't a lot of uh, competition for Canadian rap in uh, 1998, so they were able to break mm. through again. Also, it's a classic hip-hop song, as you know. All right, very Dave, cool. you, you did very well in that round, but now here's your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. Ooh. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. It's an amazing achievement for an artist to have a number one song on the Billboard Hot 100. And in the 1990s, it was a rare feat for that artist to be Canadian. Rarer still was when that Canadian artist is a band. Because according to our calculations, and or Wikipedia, in the 1990s, only 10 Canadian artists had Billboard number one hits, and only one of them was a band. That band's number one song included references to Canada's Birchmount Stadium. So, for up to three points, what was that number one hit song? On which of that band's albums did it first appear? And who is that band?
3: Uh, I want to guess mm-hmm. that that song was entitled One Week. Okay. That it was from the album Stunt. Okay. By Bare Naked Ladies. Now, you want to guess that. What I want to guess that. Well, what are you actually I'm going, going to, to guess? I'm, no, I'm going to go with completely gonna go different g- songs. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna go, you know what? I'm going to go against my better judgment. Yeah. I'm going to say, man, I feel like a woman. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm going with One Week from Stunt by Bare Naked Lady.
0: All right. Well, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight?
1: Joining us tonight is a member of one of Canada's most acclaimed bands who had a number one hit, eight Juno Awards, and sold over 15 million albums from bare naked ladies it's drummer and vocalist tyler stewart
0: tyler stewart wow hi how are you we're so much how's better it going now? A? actually how's it going <laughs> eh? i don't understand what are you saying you guys are speaking some secret language i can't understand we're sorry <laughs> <laughs> wonderful to have you thank you so much for joining us tyler thank you very
6: much uh you know when it comes to Canadian pop music from the 90s, yeah, I am truly an expert. And thank you for my first expert job ever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. You've never been called upon to be an expert in anything else? Uh, no, unless it's, you know... Um, Grilled cheeses, or something. Oh, but... <laughs> we'll have to have you back when that topic comes up, which I'm sure yeah, it will. Absolutely. Just to, for other students who aren't aware, part of the, the Bare Naked Ladies origin story is, that is just so amazing is that uh, you guys actually were banned and that led to your being more popular. Can you give us that, that part uh, briefly? Because I think that's so fascinating. Well, yes. The mayor of Toronto at the time, a woman named June
6: Rollins, decided that our name objectified women Mm -hmm. and so city council banned us from playing at the you know city of toronto's new year's eve party (gasps) and we said okay fine obviously she's never seen the band we were Mm -hmm. a band singing about craft dinner (laughs) (laughs) you know brian wilson were, we're singing about pretty innocuous things but um we said fine we went and took a gig down the road at mcmaster university in hamilton you know didn't think anything about it and literally on January 2nd or so, I was doing my laundry at a laundromat. You can tell this was earlier in our career. Um, And I got a phone call to the laundromat, pre-cell phones, uh, from my roommate who said, there's a photo shoot happening at City Hall. It's about you guys being banned. I went down there. We had a photo taken. The next morning, I woke to the sound of two of our band members being interviewed on the CBC which is our national public radio network. And it was a controversy because the Bare Naked Ladies had been banned. You were the banned band. Political- band. <laughs> a band
2: band.
6: <laughs> Overnight we went from being an up and coming Toronto club band mm-hmm. to being a national household name in Canada. Unbelievable. Oh,
2: whoa.
6: So I-, I think the long and short of it was we sold eighty thousand independent cassettes.
2: Whoa! In three
6: months. Wow. We, we were an acoustic band. So we had like, you know, an upright bass, a conga and uh, a couple of guitars. The great thing about Bare Naked Ladies is we could play in a living room or we could play in a stadium mm. because we had that ability and we all sang. So there's lots of harmonies going on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a very versatile band.
0: Well part of your versatility is that like as you mentioned that you you'll play on you'll, you'll play percussion on kind of anything and uh I, I was watching a video of your your drum setup and I'm not a drum expert but it seemed to me there are a lot more drums than I would see in an average band. Uh am am I correct and 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 what kind of stuff do you have that maybe uh, you know other rock bands wouldn't have cuz I also noted a
1: conga about, a conga. Both, I
0: guess the conga the conga would answer that but other other things as well. You you like adding well, to your to your kit? You know what? I, I have nowhere near like Neil Peart, you know. Right.
6: RIP, the late Neil Peart. He had everything on there. Mm -hmm. He had like chimes, dishwashers, he had everything in there. Um, (laughs) The illusion that I have on my kid is I have a couple of drums off to the side, Mm -hmm. a couple of different snare drums. I also have a little electronic square pad, you know, just to keep up with the modern times. Sure. (laughs) All of the kids have got samples and loops and soda bear naked ladies.
3: Very nice. My favorite drumming moment of yours is Enid. It was Enid, which was like second or third video. There's, I know uh, what you're going to say. Yeah, you have a, a, a there's a drum fill right in the middle of the verse and the camera goes right in on you and you're eating a hoagie.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we laughed for days about that. We did, you know, because the whole band really was about kind of be yourself at all costs. You know, we didn't mm. really have an image other than we were having fun at all times. And we were, you know, we weren't afraid to laugh. Um, you know, obviously, we take the music very seriously, and you know, we still do. We, you know, we're thirty years into a career of mm-hmm. of writing serious pop music. You know, in that video, it was just so cliche to show the drummer playing his big fill so <laughs> that i decided to eat a sandwich yeah and uh, yeah. dave i'm glad that spoke to you man it yeah. so <laughs> it's, you it's stuck
3: with me all these years later
0: <laughs> hey any opportunity to eat a sandwich in show business you better take it a lot of our listeners of course have heard you in addition to being fans of yours but also from uh, the tv theme you did for uh, the big bang theory uh and i understand that, that was something that you weren't that enthusiastic about at the uh, at the get-go Ah, the story that will haunt me to my grave.
6: Um, (laughs) I wasn't that into it, but Ed, our singer, Ed Robertson, Mm -hmm. had struck up a great relationship with Bill Prady and Chuck Lorre, the creators of The Big Bang Theory. And they had come to a show of ours in Los Angeles at the Greek theater, and they loved the show and they loved our improvisational moments in between songs. Bill and Chuck were in the audience, and they couldn't believe it. So we got to get these guys to do our theme song. So they were in touch with Ed, and they said, basically, we want the history of everything in in 90 seconds, like the big bang. Yeah. The guy writes the song in the shower. Wow. We're in the middle of the summer, you know, on a two-week break. On the second day of the two weeks, I get a phone call from Ed and said, you got to come back. We're to record this Big Bang Theory song. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, well, that's the pilot, the pilot that I
2: watched.
6: <laughs> I don't know if I'm that into it. I've just started to relax. I'm two days in. I'm starting to one wind. I'm, and he's like, man, I need you to come back and play killer drums. I said, I don't just not. You play drums, Ed. Ed's a great drummer. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, Ty, I just need you to come and, you know, these guys have been great. They've been really, you know, supportive, and they have a bunch of hit shows under their belt. You know, this could be really good for us down the road. I'm like, all right, man, I'll come and play drums, Ed, but this better be the next damn Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> so now we know that the band judges everything, uh, whether we should take the project or not. Yeah, if I hate it. We should do it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The song is so catchy. And I think that's one of the most impressive things about you guys is that you can pack like a hundred words in the space that other people could pack maybe 20. I mean, you guys can really like just just fly the lyrics out. Ed is quite dexterous
6: with his... uh... His vocal cords in his mouth. Um, I think... Uh,
1: oh, you don't say. Wow. <laughs> down, Helen, down.
6: <laughs> well, he, see, he also enjoys words, wordplay. Yeah. I guess like, if you're a songwriter, you should enjoy words. The other thing is the delivery. If you can manage to tell a good story quickly, which is not many of us can do. Right. We tend to ramble on. You see how long I ramble on about the
2: people? <laughs>
6: you can't do it. But he, he he's pretty good at, at jamming all those in, in in you know two minutes or less. Well, that must be yeah. a
0: lot of fun for you as a drummer to kind of work with the voice as a percussive instrument also, and figure out how you're going to complement that as well. That must change how you your artistry in in a, in a track as well. I'd imagine.
6: Well, definitely. I I'm a drummer who plays for the song. Mm-hmm. I'm not really interested in showing off my chops. Yeah. I do have some chops, but mm-hmm. I don't you know I don't you know, I I tend to want to serve the song. That should yeah. that's what I wanted to say.
0: On my gravestone, Tyler Stewart.
6: Mm. He played for the song.
0: Oh, Um, that's a great legacy. Tell us about this new song that, as we're recording this, has is not been announced. But by the time people are listening, uh, people will know about it. So, Dave and Laura, we're trusting you to keep your mouth shut for a while, (laughs) (laughs) not 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 to head to the uh, head to Reddit and tell everyone. But uh, no deal. Oh no. Okay. Well then, (laughs) Dave, we're going to have to uh, cut you off. And uh,
6: no,
2: no. no.
0: Uh, So,
6: tell us about that. The new song that we have out is called Flip, and. it's an interesting number kind of about changing your perspective, particularly apt towards the United States and uh, the events of last November. Mm. It's about trying to see the other side of things and uh, the other side of the pandemic, perhaps, you know, mm. the other side of particularly uh, crazy and toxic time in American history, perhaps, perhaps. It's from our, our album, our new album called uh, Detour de Force, which... <laughs> is coming out soon. We just got the single out now, but we have, we'll have the album out soon. Detour to Forest. We all had to take a detour mm-hmm. when we were making this record. Um, we started it off at our singer Ed's cottage on a beautiful frozen lake in, in Ontario. Then we got shut down. We finished it in the summer, last summer in Toronto. So we went from a very rural rustic situation to mm. a studio in downtown Toronto in a place called Parkdale which is a little rough around the edges. The whole album has elements of acoustic intimacy mm-hmm. and urban edge. So uh, it's a pretty interesting listen. Absolutely. I do say so myself. I would, I, I, well, I would
0: hope if you don't like it, you know, why, why would we? So I'm glad you enjoy it. Uh, well, it's so wonderful that, uh, that, you know, you started back in the 90s and you still are making such present and compelling music now. It's so wonderful to speak with you. Let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Dave. Uh, we wanted to know what was that number one hit song that was the only one from a Canadian band in the 1990s. Helen, what did Dave say?
1: Dave said one week. And Tyler? He is correct.
0: He is correct for the point. Yes. Very good, Dave. Well, that <laughs> that should be a relief because the other two were kind of contingent on that. Uh, <laughs> the next question we wanted to know is, what album did that song originally appear on? Helen, what did Dave say?
1: Dave said, Stunt.
0: And Tyler? Yes, indeed. Our fifth album from 1998, Whoa. Stunt. Stunt. Very good. Another point for Dave. And finally, we wanted to know, and Dave, I, I'm... I'm <laughs> Wrapped with suspense, knowing if you got this one correct. But who is that band that had that number one hit song? Helen, what did Dave say?
1: Dave said, Bare Naked Ladies. And
0: Tyler of Bare Naked Ladies? Wrong, Black
1: Sabbath. Oh, no. Oh,
0: okay. Wow, my research is way off.
1: Wow, that was that was a hard left turn. Correct. It was correct. Is
0: correct. A, a clean sweep in the cluster fract <laughs> for Dave, congratulations. Nice. We gotta wrap up, but before we let you go, Tyler Dave, is there anything you'd like to ask or say to our expert while we have him here briefly?
3: I'm just so thrilled you could be here. I wanna get.
0: Well, thank
6: you. Uh, you know I'm really busy here a <laughs> you know, lot's
3: going on I'll tell yeah. you yeah. our, uh, all that touring yeah, all that touring exactly. you're doing Yeah, that is right one now. of the bright
0: sides of the pandemic is that we are able to uh, <laughs> to get some people who might otherwise not be available uh, Tyler people exactly. want to find out more about you or your band's work where can they go as if they don't as if they don't know how to find bare naked ladies music
6: well but obviously barenakedladies.com. ladies we're on uh, twitter at bare naked ladies instagram at bare naked ladies uh, you can find me on twitter at baldy67 if you want to Talk about hockey. That's another thing I'm an expert at.
0: Those are the details. Those are the details. This is our guest. We thank you so much for joining us, Tyler Stewart. Thank you. All right, Helen, what is our score at the end of that round?
1: At the end of that round, Dave Shimka has seven points and Laura House has one point with a round of questions for Laura coming up.
0: That's right. We're going to talk with Laura about a topic she knows about. Plus, later, Dave and Laura will go head to head in our fast fact round. That's all up ahead. But first, Helen, let's talk a little bit more about Max Fun Drive. You know, that was a great chat we just had with Tyler Stewart, but Max Fun members will get to hear even more great stories from him and others in our special bonus episode. Helen, why do we love bonus content so much?
1: Bonus content is the super special secret extra content that our members only get. And you can get that content for as little as $5 a month. Just 5 bucks a month on maximumfun.org/join will get you some great bonus content.
0: And not just from our show. We of course have four fantastic bonus episodes up there, one for each Max Fun drive that we've been privileged to be a part of. Our new one is really special. We decided to make an entire episode out of never-before-heard content from previous shows. You know, sometimes there's just not enough time to put every story in there from our fabulous guests and experts, and you're going to want to hear that. Available now in the members-only bonus content feed that you can get by being a member from maximumfundorg slash join. Oh, my gosh. Helen, I don't even think you know all of the people who are in our bonus episode uh, this year. We've got – oh, my gosh. Well, let's just start off with C-3PO himself, Anthony Daniels.
1: Oh, my gosh. That was so exciting, Anthony Daniels. I mean, he really is C-3PO, and we got to meet him over Zoom and record him for the show, and we just – could listen to him talk all day and all night, but we couldn't fit everything in that episode. So if you enjoyed that episode, believe me, you are going to want to hear the bonus content from C-3PO himself. And you can only do that as a member, MaximumFun.org.
0: For everyone who contributes for the third year in a row, let us know on social media and we will reply with your choice of a unique photo of one of our pets. It could be my cat Muffin.
1: It could be my dog Dodger.
0: Or it could be my other cat Cookie. That's for everybody who joins MaxFun or continues to join MaxFun or for everyone who upgrades on MaximumFun.org join. But we've got a special extra bonus this year for every new and upgrading member that supports our show. I, J.K. Fan Stratton, will donate 50 cents to the Hollywood Food Coalition. That is a non-profit here in the Los Angeles area that provides a fresh, free hot meal every single night of the year to our hungry and unhoused population. Now, if we'd done that last year, that would have been a contribution of more than four hundred dollars. Perhaps I didn't think this through. But we've got an extra bonus because for every new and upgrading member that surpasses last year's number, I will donate one dollar to the Hollywood Food Coalition. Okay, money bags. Yeah, that's right. Well, I haven't fully done the math on this, but I think I figured that uh, it's a good time to help people. And uh, if we have the support of our listeners, I'm happy to do it. Now, here is the big news we've been holding on to. We have our first ever stretch goal. Helen, I don't even think you know about this. I just came up with this on my walk around the block before we recorded.
1: I'm stretching. I'm stretching and getting ready to hear about the stretch goal.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, if we pass 1,000 new and upgrading members who support Yourself, yes, that will be a very nice contribution to the Hollywood Food Coalition, but you're probably wondering, what is in it for me, the listener? Well, finally, something for you besides a feeling of altruism and supporting content that you love— If we get over 1,000 new and supporting members, we will hold a random drawing of every single supporting member and choose two of them to be guests on a special mini episode of Go Fact Yourself. You get to choose your topics. We will custom write a quiz for you. We will book an <gasps> expert for you.
1: What?
0: A, yep.
1: I love this so much. I often wish that I could be a guest on Go Fact Yourself. And my topic, one of my topics out the gate, I can tell you right now, is the Donner Party. Because I yes, am I- all about knowing about people eating people back in the day. I'm obsessed. Well,
0: Helen, if you were chosen to be a guest on Go Fact Yourself, we would do our best to find a member of the Donner Party, Ooh. although I cannot make any promises. Oh
1: my God, I'm sweating just thinking about it. I'm so excited. <laughs> yes. So
0: get ready. You want to prove your trivia supremacy? You want to geek out with someone who made something that you love? You want to talk to a Pulitzer Prize-winning author? These are things that could possibly happen if we meet our goal and we randomly choose your name. Helen, what again is that website?
1: MaximumFun.org slash join.
0: And now, more of this special Max Fun Drive episode of Go Fact Yourself.
1: Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Dave Shumka and Laura House. Once again, here's Jake Keith Van Stratton.
0: Thank you, Helen. All right, Laura, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the movie Grease, the movie Grease 2, and Gothic English Literature. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First of all, you said you know a lot about the movie-
1: One of these things is not yes. like <laughs> the other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: Although I'm sure someone has written an essay uh, of comparing and contrasting the Gothic English literature themes in Greece too. Laura, tell us why did you choose the movie Greece as one of your topics?
4: Because I'm hopelessly devoted to you. Ah, nice, nice answer. <laughs> I just that was the that just lives in my heart as the first like that ache and longing for love, even though you're like eight and ten. <laughs> and it's somehow very relatable. This very adult high school. Sexual relationship, and um, <laughs> I don't know, th- and also that it's cloaked in just fun. And so, as a little little kid, you're like, "This is just fun." As an, an mm-hmm. older adult, you're like, "This is very rowdy."
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a movie that sort of grows with you as you grow yes. older, as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
4: you unlock the layers of like, "Oh, those bad kids were really bad."
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's how you should treat a person.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is
4: outrageous. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Grew up in uh, All right. Also, tell us then, maybe by contrast, tell us why you chose the movie Grease 2.
4: Grease 2 is such an underloved film. Every now and then you will meet other weirdos who are like, no, I legitimately (laughs) – but, like, I think I have a soft spot, like, of – of scott Bayo i liked jimmy Bayo i just sometimes like the underdogs maybe that was a bad example like i love the movie the pirate movie with christy mcnichol and it's also an unsung hero of of musicals I, michelle pfeiffer's this was her big breakout role like mm-hmm. the songs are legitimately good and- it does seem in a different universe than Greece, even though it's yeah. literally yeah. still the same u- filmic universe. But I'm like, it's it's just as good, if not better. Incredibly catchy songs. I'll sing them all now: two, three, four. Okay, <laughs> and finally, tell us.
0: <laughs> we got some bonus content we got to put out for Max Fun Drive, so we'll we'll get that on there for you. <laughs> and then finally, finally, Laura, tell us why you chose Gothic English literature.
4: So I have an English degree, and um, this was the first time, like I. How do I say this? I did well in school. I was a good student. I like, but mm-hmm. it was this English class that I like. You know, sometimes you get an assignment. And you're just like, okay, yeah, I'll read the book. This is going to mm-hmm. be. When I read Jane Eyre, for some reason, like I couldn't stop reading it. I was like at a friend's party, and I would like sneak <laughs> off to read it. it did- <laughs> It was
0: a short that, That's the I kind was, of bad girl you were, Laura House. You were know, such a,
4: I'm like listening to Grease 2 and reading Jane Eyre. And I'm just like a <laughs> little. Um, what a rebel. It was before I started drinking, maybe. But I was just like, <laughs> I just remember tearing through these books. And I, I remember a moment where someone was and like Wuthering Heights really grabbed me. And mm-hmm. I, somebody was like, oh, gothic. Literature and for that made me feel cool in a weird way. So it goes back to cool writer in Greece too, I guess. But there was some I didn't realize that was gothic. I just was like, oh, I like these stories, and I don't know. It just it like it lit me up in some weird way.
0: Well, that's what we're here to celebrate: is things that light people up. That's great. Well, to summarize, Laura, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the movie Greece, the movie Greece too, and gothic English literature. Today, we're going to quiz you about the movie Greece
4: all right here we go
0: here we go (laughs) indeed uh how often do you think you've seen the movie if you can estimate
4: maybe 10 or so it's it's not like i am always you know watch it annually or that sort of thing but i I just it's it just kind of lives with you yeah you know when the song comes on it's like you can't do something else like if randomly grease comes on so true you're doing for three minutes yeah, yeah,
1: and like especially at karaoke bars, it's like every, it's such a crowd <laughs> pleaser. I mean,
4: what an incredible crowd pleaser! Yeah, that's a bit of a zag, right, for karaoke.
1: It's one of the few duets I can do. I mean, mm. come on, yeah. Oh, Helen, when we're back, when
0: we're back into karaoke times, uh, I, I, I want to see that. If we not are it.
4: great. It's a date.
0: It's a date. All right, uh, and Laura, do you have a favorite scene or a favorite line from the movie that stands out for you?
4: I love the the drive-in movie theater, and then hmm. Danny gets because it's his moment of his hopelessly devoted to you. right. And um, yeah, I like that one.
0: Cool. All right, well just ahead, we're gonna enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic of Greece attest Oh and my. Gosh, I can't it. Well, but first, before that, to let you show your love, here are five <laughs> trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed a hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Dave, do listen closely, because if Laura answers incorrectly or just starts yelling out random elements of the movie, you can steal. Dave, by the way, how much do you know about the movie Grease?
3: I believe I saw it once when I was about 17. Yeah. And it's a movie about 17-year-olds, and I thought, huh, they all look like 35. <laughs> okay. So, a little bit? <laughs> I mean, I I mean, I was pretty distracted by my own <laughs> scrawny physique while yeah. watching it.
0: <laughs> that is distracting sometimes. You're like, wait a minute. This is <laughs> yeah.
1: false advertising for yeah, high school. <laughs> uh, all
0: right, Laura, here's question number one about the movie Grease. John Travolta, of course, played Danny Zuko, but he wasn't Paramount's first choice for the role. Early in the development process, what star of Happy Days was reportedly offered the role but turned it down for fear of being typecast as a 1950s Greaser?
4: Henry Winkler from Fonzie fame. Helen? That is correct. That
0: is correct for the point. Very good. You did not need that hint, but Helen, if she had asked for the hint, what would that hint have been? (laughs) Hey! <laughs> that's Thank right you. Laura and Helen doing uh, virtual zoom high fives as well now alright here's question number two Greece has many memorable songs but only one was nominated for an Academy Award for best original song that nominated song was one of several written for the movie and not from the Broadway show and became a top five hit for Olivia Newton-John what was this popular song
4: Oh, I think because of the Oscar thing I think it was hopelessly devoted to you
0: Helen,
1: that is
4: correct. That is
0: correct for the point. Very good. You did not need the hint in this one, but Helen, you were on a theme of giving hints that they don't need that are of this type. Mm -hmm. What would that hint have been?
1: It's the. (laughs) Not super mad at you. (laughs) It's the opposite of aspirationally disloyal from me.
0: (laughs) Hopelessly devoted to you. I think we might have a spinoff show just from Helen's hints of opposite things.
4: I would absorb that, yes.
0: Uh, Fun fact, uh, other songs in the movie that are not in the Broadway show include Grease, the title song, Sandy, and You're the One That I Want. Very excellent additions to Mm. the show. All right, here's question number three. Laura, in the movie, according to Frenchie, quote, men are rats, they're fleas on rats, they're amoebas on fleas on rats. They're too low for even the dogs to bite. The only man a girl can depend on is whom? Her dad? Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Her daddy is the exact uh, phrasing in the movie, but that is daddy. correct. You did not need the hint, but Helen,
1: what would that hint have been? It's not her mommy.
0: <laughs> I don't know if that would have helped, but fortunately you didn't need the hint.
1: <laughs> Helen Nobody. continuing to Nobody.
0: high-five the Zoom
3: camera.
1: Nobody. Nobody. Yeah, okay. All right, Thank we you, got Laura. You back. Thank as, you.
3: As a competitor yeah. in this show, should I be concerned that my opponent is high-fiving the judge after every question? <laughs> Bribes are accepted on this show.
1: It's not, it, it's got nothing to do with it. It's, it's my congratulating yes. myself for the hits. It really is, yeah. I mean, yeah. come
2: on. Helen is, is hint,
1: just. Yeah, the, the hits are fire, let's hints face are it. are fire. Come let's on.
0: Go. <laughs> Fun fact the character of Frenchie is one of a few who appear in both Grease and Grease 2. Principal McGee and Coach Calhoun also appear in both movies. All right, Laurie, you're three for three. Here's question number four. The character of Rizzo seems wise for her age, and there may be a good reason. Even though she was playing a high school student, how old was actually actor Stockard Channing when the movie was released we'll give it to you if you're within three years of the correct answer
4: I I, can have a hint
0: you may have a hint Helen how about that first
1: hint she was still barely too young to be president of the United States
4: ah that I I would say uh, 33 Helen
1: that is I mean yeah close enough Yes, that's within the
0: range. Very good. She was 34. You have to be 35 to be president of the U.S. I believe that's the only reason that Soccer Channing was not elected in 1984. Uh, She was 34 years old. Uh, Fun fact, Olivia Newton-John was 29 at the time. Travolta was 24. All right, Laura, you are four for four and have a chance to go five for five if you can get this question correct. You do still have one hint available. Though it's a live-action movie musical, Grease's opening credits are an animated sequence featuring caricatures of the cast. What legendary animation pioneer created this sequence?
4: Um, can I have a hint?
1: You can have your second hint. Helen? His first name is the same first name as a star of this movie, and his last name is the same as a famous volleyball.
4: Uh, John Wilson? Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Very nice use of the hint. Sorry, that is, uh, I attribute that 100% to the hint.
0: Yeah, I, I thought you were going to say Olivia Spaulding, but no, you went for <laughs> you went in the direction that Helen was trying to get to there. Ladies and gentlemen, Laura House is five for five. Congratulations. Woo! Fun fact on that last one, uh, John Wilson was a legendary animator who worked on Lady and the Tramp, Peter Pan, and the Flintstones. He's also credited for inventing the music video. All right, Laura, you obviously did very well in that round, but now here is your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Laura, according to the director of Greece, one of the more challenging sequences to shoot was the movie's carnival finale, featuring You're the One That I Want, which was choreographed on the fly, and We Go Together, which was shot on a 106-degree day in August. Adding mm. to the pressure, the director and choreographer invited a legendary 78-year-old director to watch. So, for up to three points, who was that 78-year-old director famous for his musicals and comedies and known as a woman's director, looking on, who was the choreographer, and who was the director of Grease? Mm. You can take them in any order you like.
4: Uh, I don't know the choreographer. I wish I good. did. It's good. Um, the director is... Um, Randall Ke- Kessler?
0: Randall maybe? Kessler, maybe. Okay.
4: <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know the name of the director who was. Do you want to in-
0: just guess a, a famous uh, classic director of musicals, comedies, and women?
4: Just if musicals, I just think of Stephen Sondheim. <laughs> okay, do like, you want to say weird?
0: Yeah. That well, seems wanted... like not quite right. Okay. No. All right. No worries. So Stephen Sondheim, no answer, and Randall Kessler or something like, something like that, you say. I
4: think
2: so.
0: Oh, okay.
4: No to... Remember my five for five?
0: I do. That was great. That was, that was great. Impressive. That was classic. Yeah. All right. Helen is taking note of your answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Yeah.
1: Joining us tonight is an internationally renowned director whose films include The Blue Lagoon, Flight of the Navigator, Big Top Pee Wee and Grease it's oh. Randall Kleiser
5: Randall Kleiser Hi there
4: Hello I'm so sorry I.
5: Hey you got it pretty good uh, and you're such an expert
4: on, on Grease Well thank you that's a nice way to see it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're a very nice man and you're very nice to join us uh, Thank you so much for being here Mr. Kleiser I have to ask uh, when we first approached you about being uh, on the show uh, you replied this is different from many requests Uh <laughs> (laughs) uh, First of all, thank you for noticing. Uh, And thank you for saying yes, despite it being different. I'm curious, what what are some of the usual requests that you get? Because I'm sure a lot of people want to talk to you. Well,
5: for 40 years, I've been, you know, asked these questions over and over again. But, you know, this format is interesting because it's kind of like NPR's Wait, wait, don't tell me, and I listen to that all the time. Oh, well, then
0: you're probably familiar with Helen Hong, who's a regular panelist on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell yes, Me. Yes. Really.
5: Hello. Yeah, I love the show. Thank Excellent you. show.
0: And uh, Greece has really uh, taken you around the world, hasn't it, uh, over all these years? Tell us about some of the opportunities you've had because of Greece.
5: Well, the Deauville Film Festival is where we first showed it in, um, in 1978, and it was so exciting uh, to be there with John and Olivia and meet uh, one of my favorite directors, Claude Luche. You know, we showed it in um, a gay nightclub. In Paris, and I was worried that the Parisians would not understand some of the Americanisms, mm. and they had no problem, and, and <laughs> they loved it.
0: They knew what Le Hickey was? Yes. Le
5: Hickey, <laughs> Hickey, Hickey from yeah. Kinecki, yes. And when we previewed it in Hawaii, the first time it was ever shown to any group, When John was walking down the bleachers singing Summer Nights, Mm -hmm. the audience burst into laughter. And I I thought we had a flop. Mm and this is not going to work. And then it turned out that they were laughing because they liked
2: it. Oh,
1: that's
5: But it was a terrifying moment.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, you documented a lot of your experience in a wonderful book called Grease the Director's Notebook. And it really looks like a director's notebook. It's crazy the amount of details that you have in this. Uh, were, Were those items that you put in, you know, images and notes, were those hard to find? Or is that something that you usually to keep records of for, for your films?
5: I have them all in the attic, mm. you know, and so I brought it down and put it together, and, and actually it, we put it together so it looks like it was cut and pasted, uh, you know, we, the whole look of yeah. the book is, is cut and I
1: pasted. I love it. I love hoarders who hoard, like, <laughs> useful hoarders, things.
5: yes, yeah. definitely. I have everything up there. Yeah, but you
0: know <laughs> where to find stuff. I think that means you're more of a collector True. than a hoarder.
5: Uh, I'm writing another book, a second book that will have all my other movies. Oh, for. wonderful, wonderful.
2: Wow.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, Greece has been the subject of so much lore and different stories and so many rumors and reports Uh, I actually had asked you to sort of fact check one of our questions that we'd had about Henry Winkler and you said that that wasn't uh, if that had happened that would have been before you were involved about Henry Winkler being being offered the role
5: that's right because when Robert Stigwood came aboard he wanted to make a three-picture deal with John and so uh, I had worked with John on Boy in the Plastic Bubble and so we came as a team Mm. to the project and and there was never anyone else talked about you know just John
0: and Olivia Newton John was your first choice for uh, Sandy
5: yes Definitely, but she didn't want to do the movie because she had done a musical that didn't work, an English uh, uh, musical comedy, and it was a flop, Mm -hmm. and so she was afraid of doing another one, so she demanded that we do a screen test of her, and... and and test us. Usually, it's the studio testing the actress, but here the actress was testing us. Wow!
0: And and do you remember yeah. what what did you do in that test uh, for *Oliver*? That
5: was the drive-in scene that we shot. Oh, okay, and, and, the one Laura was talking about. Yeah. Yeah, that worked really well. Yeah, that's yeah. terrific. Uh, I think
0: what's what's so astounding about the movie in rewatching it—not just how great it is and how great it is in a musical—but this was your directorial debut. This was the first feature film you ever directed.
5: Yes, I had done like four TV movies yeah. and. And great, ep- epic TV shows like Starsky and Hutch and Marcus Welby, mm-hmm. but never a feature. This is the first wow. one. But
0: that, this was not your first experience being on the set of a feature film musical. Tell us about the experience you'd had before.
5: Ah, uh, yes. Well, I when I was at USC Film School, I paid for my student films by being an extra. <laughs> and I was in uh, a whole bunch of movies like uh, Hello, Dolly! and Camelot and uh, Thoroughly and Modern Millie. But the best experience for making Grease was being an extra in four Elvis Presley
2: movies
5: (gasps) so I got to meet the king and watch Uh. him work and and that was really
2: wow
5: the best uh you know being on the set as an extra you you watch how the director breaks the shot down and uh, and into pieces how the musical numbers are done You know, they say playback and they do a little section. Mm -hmm. This was before music videos. So no, you know, I would not have known how to do it had it not been for being an extra. Wow,
1: you got paid Um, to be in like a master class.
5: Yes so true.
1: Ah, that's
3: wonderful.
0: We kind of joked about the ages of the actors and and them playing high school, and that was something you addressed head on. Uh, What did you discuss with the actors about playing younger? Because I know some of them were a little trepidatious. And then how did it change how you shot the movie itself?
5: Well, our cinematographer, Bill Butler, had developed a ring light that went around. The You see them now on selfies, but it fills in all the um, wrinkles. wrinkles. (laughs) (laughs) Helen can say it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about uh, the legacy of Greece. You know, here we are almost 45 years later. We're still talking about it. People still love it. What do you think gave Greece that staying power that it has?
5: Yes, it's like the Ever Ready Bunny movie. It just keeps going and going. I think uh, it's the combination of the chemistry between John and and Olivia Mm. And the soundtrack, yeah. which we, we lucked out, you know, with the new songs, getting Oscar nominations mm-hmm. and uh, and becoming hits. You know, when the movie came out, you know, I was driving around in my car and, and all the songs were on the radio. I changed the su- uh, the, the station and they'd be playing. It was, it was really incredible to have... Uh, like four hit songs right when the movie came
0: out. Unbelievable. And you're still involved in the legacy of it. I know you, you were part of uh, putting these sing-alongs together that have been all, all around the world, including at the Hollywood Bowl. How did, how did those start, and what's it like seeing an entire stadium of people singing along to a movie that you made over 40 years ago?
5: <laughs> well, one night uh, at the Beverly, New Beverly Center Theater, mm-hmm. I saw that they were going to be showing a midnight show of Grease, and I invited um, Olivia and Didi Khan mm-hmm. to come with me to just see if, if people still liked it. And this was many years ago. <laughs> and um, and they went crazy singing along, and, and that was the first sing-along that I think we had, and it was, I don't remember what year, but when we went out out on the sidewalk, the whole audience was standing there clapping. Aww. No! I mean, it, yeah, and then it went on and on. We, did, we did, went to a lot of gay festivals and showed uh, the sing-along with PowerPoint lyrics projected. <laughs> and finally... <laughs> Finally, Paramount saw that that was working, and they, they made a, a sing-along print and uh, launched it at the Hollywood Bowl, and then it's been doing that uh, every year. Surreal to be on the stage with Hollywood Bowl and see 17,000 people dressed as the characters uh. of the movie that, that we made 40 years ago. So many
1: Knickies. So
5: many Knickies. <laughs> <laughs> lots of Rizzo's. Yeah. Lots of- yeah. Another thing that you were involved with
0: is an augmented reality experience of Greece. Can you tell us what, what that was like? And is that something that people can, can still experience someplace?
5: Um, well, it hasn't launched yet, ah. but it was done uh, with volumetric capture, where we filmed uh, 20 dancers with uh, 100 cameras and, uh, from all angles. And, be, and we made them into holograms. And when the, when the app is launched, you'll be able to take your iPhone and, and click on any place and see the whole number dancing. Wow! dancing and singing. Wow.
0: Yeah. Laura is very excited about that. that. So cool. <laughs> 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 My God. Uh, uh, Laura mentioned, of course, that she's also a fan of Grease 2. Um, w- were were you considering uh, being involved in the sequel or did you, were you ready to move on to, I think Blue Lagoon was your next film after that, right? Yeah,
5: I was actually shooting Blue Lagoon when they made Grease 2, but Pat Birch, who is the co- choreographer of Grease, was the director of Grease 2 mm-hmm. and uh, did that wonderful song uh Rider, uh, what was it called? Cool oh, you would know Laura. Yes, there you go, Laura. You're the expert. <laughs> there you go, Laura. Cool you've Rider. been upgraded. <laughs> yeah. Cool Rider. I like that song. Yeah, yeah that's, good. So
0: good. that's great. All right, well, let's get to the reason we brought you here as so far as our game is concerned. You heard the questions that we asked Laura. Uh, our first one was Who was the 78 year old director who was looking on it during the finale sequence of Greece?" Helen, what was the answer that Laura ultimately gave us?
1: Laura said Stephen Sondheim.
0: And Randall? <laughs>
5: <laughs> no, it was George Cukor, George Cukor. The, the man who directed, uh, actually, he directed part of Gone with the Wind and uh, didn't get credit for that. But he did do uh, My Fair Lady and many other mm-hmm. big movies, uh, uh, and uh, he was a, a, a hero of mine. So to have him on the set was a big, big
0: thing. And what kind of feedback did you get from him from uh, watching your uh, rehearsal?
5: Well, we ran the whole song. You're, um, we go together. Mm-hmm. We had uh, t- 200 dancers in the 106 degree weather mm-hmm. dancing down the, the football field and landing at his feet, where, he, where I had him sitting in a chair to show him mm-hmm. the thing. And he, I turned to him and he said, Very spirited. <laughs> <laughs> That was the review. (laughs) Well, he wasn't wrong. He
0: wasn't wrong. All right. uh, Next, we wanted to know who the choreographer was. Uh, Laura was not able to pull a name from that, but uh, Randall, tell us the name again of the choreographer who went on to direct Grease too.
5: Patricia Birch, wonderful lady who had choreographed the original Broadway show as well.
0: And I know it was very important for you to have her work on the movie as well because of her work.
5: Yeah. She was uh, my my right-hand woman, and um, she knew all the beats in the whole show and where the laughs were and... She was fantastic.
0: And I can't get over that she really choreographed You're the One That I Want on the fly. That that had not been choreographed before you guys were on the set.
5: Wow. Not, not completely, no, yeah. because we went into that little fun house yeah. and found the steps that went like this yeah. and went like that, and she just threw that into the song. Oh, it was wow. pretty, pretty astounding.
0: It really it is. Uh, the, the fact yeah. you just discover a Shake Shack uh, ride that's there and then you decide to dance
5: on it and, and make it work yep. like that, that's brilliant.
4: Wow. Such an iconic move that specifically... Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's amazing.
5: And the way they come down the steps too—you know—they're doing the four-four
4: mm-hmm.
5: four step. That—that—that was. That, that, that
0: wow, that's yeah. great. that As a director, you were open to that uh, kind of creativity oh, yeah. on set. That I think that speaks very well of uh, of you as well. Uh, and then finally, we wanted to know who, in fact, was the director of Greece. Helen, what was the answer Laura gave?
1: Laura said Randall Kessler.
0: And close enough. Close enough. <laughs> you're going to give her the point.
1: sorry
0: <laughs> That's all right. Well, you know, I think I think when you see a name on screen, you don't necessarily always know how it's pronounced or or even what letters come before the others. So, uh, Laura, is there anything you'd like to ask or say to our expert Randall Kleiser while we have him here?
4: I can't help but be curious. First of all, what incredible work you've done! Thank you for everything you've contributed to my my, my culture in my head. What's your favorite song? I think uh,
5: Sandy, because I love the ending of Sandy when we had the hot dog <laughs> in the bun. That was something that we did on the set. Yeah. You know, we, found, we found that and I came up with the idea. I looked at the, all the trailers and I said, hey, can we sync the end of that? And it worked great. Oh, and, wow. and that's
0: Laura's favorite scene from the movie as well. So that's uh, that's terrific. All right, Randall, uh, we thank you so much for joining us. I'm, I'm so mm-hmm. amazed that you're here. Um, if people want to find out more about you and your work, where do you recommend that they go? RandallKleiser.com. RandallKleiser.com. It's as easy one as One uh, L in Randall. <laughs> and one L in Kleiser. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he makes it easy. Well, thank you so much. What a thank treat. Thank And, and uh, I join Laura, and I think a lot of our listeners do, in just being so grateful for your work, and certainly so grateful that you joined us in talking about it. Randall Kleiser, everybody. My pleasure. Thank Thank you you so much. All right, Helen, what an exciting round. What is our score as we go into the final round?
1: Jay Keith, it is a tie. Whoa. Yeah, at the end of that round, Dave Shimka has seven points and Laura House has seven
2: points.
0: What an epic comeback for Laura. Very nice job. And now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Dave and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, the answer to each statement is true true or false here we begin dave minnesota shares a border with mexico false correct laura minnesota shares a border with canada false incorrect no i'm terribly sorry it does as i'm sure dave can attest dave minnesota has an official state motto false
1: incorrect no
0: it really does and ironically it's in french l'étoile du nord laura minnesota has an official state flower true Correct. The lady slipper. Dave, Minnesota has an official state bird. True. Correct. The loon. Laura, Minnesota has an official state bee. False. Incorrect. No, they really do. The rusty patched bumblebee. It was a controversial, <laughs> a controversial choice that split Minnesotans down the middle. Uh, Dave, Minnesota has an official state muffin. True. Correct. How did you know that? Yes. Blueberry. <laughs> blueberry is the official muffin. Laura, Minnesota has an official state mushroom.
4: True. Correct.
0: The morel. Dave, (laughs) Minnesota has an official state drink. False. Incorrect. No, they really do. Laura, Minnesota's official state drink is milk. Okay, true. Correct. Correct, it is. And finally, Dave, Minnesota's official state snack is mushroom muffins and milk with a side of B. Mm,
3: Let's say False. (laughs)
0: correct we're
3: not gonna count that last one
0: we want to thank laura house and dave shumka as helen tabulates the final score helen are you ready to announce the winner of today's show
1: j keith you're not gonna believe it it's a tie oh my goodness both dave shumka and laura house have 10 points each wow that means we're gonna have to go to
0: ourselves you, you guys really want to keep the show going longer <laughs> I know I know after doing so many 15 minute shows Laura you of course want to be on a show that goes longer all right we're gonna to go to our tie breaking question the answer is a number whoever gets closer to the correct number will win we do not play prices right style so no guessing one dollar here's how it's gonna work I'm gonna ask the question think about it for a moment then I'll ask you to blurt out your answers at the same time on the count of three so don't answer right away and again whoever Closer will win. Here's your question In both television and film, how many different actors have played one of Charlie's angels? How many different actors in TV and film have played one of Charlie's angels? All right, on the count of three, please call out your answer one, two, three, ten. Well, I have ten and I have twelve. Ten from Dave and twelve from Laura. The correct answer. Fifteen. That means Laura, you are the facting champion on fact Yourself. Congratulations, Laura. What will you do with your facting champion?
4: I will throw it in everyone's face.
0: Okay. (laughs) Wow.
4: I really went to my head.
0: (laughs) It really went to your head. I Uh, can't wait
4: to tell people.
0: Just to go back to that tiebreaker, it was 15. That's Kate Jackson, Farrah Fawcett, Jacqueline Smith, Cheryl Ladd, Shelley Hack, Tanya Roberts, Annie Ilonze, Minka Kelly, Rachel Taylor, Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, Lucy Liu, Laura Stewart, Nomi Scott, Ella Balinska. as I'm sure Laura knew but forgot those last three. Mm. Um, <laughs> excellent. Congratulations, to everyone, and thanks so much for being here. We're going to uh, wrap up by giving everyone here a chance to promote anything that they might like. Dave Shumka, where can people
3: find you and your work? Well, you can head over to MaximumFun.org org and find my podcast Stop Podcasting Yourself. I'm also on Twitter uh, at Dave Shomka and uh, yeah, MaximumFun.org for pretty
4: much everything.
0: Excellent. We thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Laura House, where can people find you?
4: LauraHouse.com is the hub. I'm on Twitter at I'm Laura House and you can find uh, my podcast with Annabelle Gerwich Tiny Victories on Maximum Fun and I also have a podcast called uh well you med with me if you want to if you want to meditate with me you can do that i'll try to bring my ego down About <laughs> <laughs> after
2: this I gotta, yeah i gotta meditate
4: yeah. on this to like just let it go but um yeah
0: it's yeah, weird so her mantra mont- her, her mantra now is i win <laughs> Very nailed uh, it nailed it Uh, Laura, it's so wonderful to see you. As always, we thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, my hosting partner is Helen Hong. Helen, where can people find you?
1: You can uh, find me on my dad's YouTube channel. (laughs) Naturally. Called Old Korean Dad Stories and sometimes Mom. On YouTube.
0: Excellent. We'll look for that. It's a lot of it, it, it's a really fun show. I've been enjoying watching it, and I recommend it to all of our listeners as well. Uh, and me, you can find me on uh, Twitter at J underscore Keith and on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That leaves me to thank Laura House, Dave Schumka, Tyler Stewart, Randall Kleiser, and of course you, the Max Fun listener. This is the last time I'm gonna mention it, but all of you people who have supported us on Max Fun, we are so, so grateful. And if you want to hear more Great stories from the likes of Tyler Stewart, Joe Montagna, and more. Become a MaxFun member for as little as $5 a month and get that sweet boco, the bonus content, available to you when you join. Also, oh my gosh, you can get our specially designed pin. I believe this is the last year that we're having pins as part of the MaxFun drive. Helen, can you believe it?
1: I can't believe it. The pins are always like so, like, they're, they're a key factor.
0: Yeah, and they're little miracles because uh, a little behind the scenes, I will usually draw my idea for what the pin should look like. And if you think my handwriting is bad, and Helen, you've seen my handwriting, yes. imagine how awful my drawing is. Uh, and yet, and yet they hire a brilliant designer who converts it into a really good-looking pin. Uh, this year's pin is a, a tip of the cap to our fast facts round. We've got uh, a little uh, logo, a little uh, check mark, a little T, a little F. You'll see. I think you'll enjoy it. It's great. It sort of fits in the logos of our show and in the previous. Pins that we've done, you are eligible to select a pin if you join or upgrade to the ten dollar a month level at maximumfund.org/join. So that's it, everybody. We thank you so much for your support. Get in to be a member to get the bonus content, the pin, the bonus gifts, the donations to charity, the photos of our pets, and the chance to be a contestant on Go Factor Self. We'll see you next time. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live. Someday, it'll be free. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. And give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts like Evil Ninja Dave did. He, she, or they said, Love it. A factually awesome podcast. Thanks, Evil Ninja Dave. You're not so evil after all. Helen? Go
1: GoFact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratten and comes to you via transcription from various homes across the country. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun's senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer, engineer, and editor is Julian Burrell. Special thanks to Michael Caprio at Caprio Media Design. Sam Bemphy and Larry Webman at Paradigm Talent Agency. Allison Taylor, Leah Reed. Danielle Koenig, Matt Belnap, Dan Ewan, Jill Gold, Brandon J. Carr, Clint Tauscher, Mike Avellanos, Adam Needif, Dave Bianchi, Erich Tran, and Christine Vallada. I've been Helen Hong!
0: Let's go watch Grease again!
1: Woohoo! You're the one that I want!
0: Summer Lovin' is also a song.
1: MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned.
4: Audience supported.